Welcome back, everyone, to the show For the Love of Cinema, a movie podcast where our motto is we just hope it doesn't suck. This is episode 362B, the second episode for the week. We'll now discuss our thoughts on The State of Star Wars Part 3. With you for that discussion, Grayson Maxwell and special guest of the show, Jeremy Lee. Say hi, Jeremy. Not so special, but hello. <laughs> oh, we're all special in our own way. <laughs> For the episode discussing Wonka, including the whole box office breakdown, what's streaming, and trailer talk, check out episode 362A, posted on Tuesday, 1226. And I got to apologize for the lateness of this episode. Um, there was just a miscommunication between Jeremy and me, and like with the holidays, it's just it's just going to be a day and a half late, not a big deal. But you know, Christmas, everyone's busy, so there. That's that's why I didn't post on Friday. It's going to post. It is it posted when it did. It did so. Um, no, no, no worries. Everyone's busy for the holiday. Jeremy, how was your Christmas, man? How was your Christmas? Oh, it was really good. Um, we, uh, so the advantage of having a bunch of, uh, of like having to fly your kid all over the place, uh, cause my kid doesn't live where I do and having to fly him back and forth, um, to where I live from time to time, or at least for the last couple of years is that I had a ton of points saved up. And for basically no money, I was able to surprise my wife with a day trip uh, down to Austin where we just like flew down there for the day and kind of, you know, putzed around and had some dinner and then flew back. And we got to pretend like we were uh, well-to-do jet setters, even though that is 100% the opposite of the truth. (laughs) So, So it was good. It was great. I, I like having points saved up. I've like I've over two hundred thousand sky miles saved up for Delta. So one, oh my gosh, that's one great. day that'll come. One day that'll come in handy. One day <laughs> that'll come in handy. But yes, sir. Christmas was well. This Wonka posted, I think, after Christmas. Yes, but uh, but I didn't get to talk about it. Christmas was good. Um, spent it abroad. So there we go. But yeah, it was uh, it was a nice it was a nice slowdown pace. Uh, I do enjoy kind of even though the holidays are very busy, I do enjoy slowing down for a day or two and just kind of spending time with people that aren't you're not hectically running around. At least from for my case, not like hectically running around. But yeah, yeah it was it, it was it was nice. It was nice. Um, are you excited for New Year's, Jeremy? You have any big plans, you and the wife? Uh, well, I turn. 43 on the 31st so uh which that i my my birthday is on that day every year um and uh <laughs> it's yeah i mean i'm i we have my son for it so you know there's not going to be any big um uh boozy blowouts or anything like that we're probably going to just kind of stay put and um i don't know we probably won't watch the ball drop i've i've lost all interest in that ever since i tried to do that years ago in new york and uh, basically froze to death because it was raining and I wasn't prepared for it. And I ended up in like a warm hotel room when the ball actually dropped. You know, so I don't, what, yeah, what I don't year, think we'll watch what that. Year was that? What, what year was that? Oh man, that would have been somewhere around 2008, maybe it was, okay. it was a while ago. Cause but, I did um, it. I, I did it in 2012 going into 13. So, but I was the same way. It was so cold. We ended up uh, experiencing the ball drop on TV in a hotel room in New York <laughs> because it was because our group, it was so damn cold. And like, you couldn't get any, unless you get there like 15 hours early, you're not anywhere close to the ball anyway. So, and we didn't know that we got there like four hours early and we were like a mile away from the ball. Yeah. And there's like not enough bathrooms for people if there's bathrooms at all. Cause they, they can't like put porta potties out there. Cause the whole point of a porta potty is that 
you basically dig a hole so that all the schmutz has <laughs> somewhere to go. And so you're just out there. You're just like in the cold and you're freezing and you're surrounded by a bunch of people who are also uh, freezing in the cold. We're also freezing and everyone's <laughs> trying to put on a happy face, but you know, that's hard to do when you're in New York. So you know, it's funny. I, w- I, w- I always pick like I get like where the cameras are. People are like they're instructed to like act excited. But if like the normal person, it's like the countdown is like it's all about the build. The countdown, the ball drops, and then people just look. I always imagine they just look around at each other and then just walk away. Yeah. You remember? The, you remember that scene? I think it was one of the one of the Matrix films. Neo flew, and all and all the and all the Mister Smiths that were trying to get him, they couldn't fly, so they just like. They just stop, look, look at each other, and start walking away. That's how I assume most <laughs> normal people do after the ball, because then they're like, "All right, I'm cold, I'm hungry." Let's yeah, they're like, "I just spent, I spent 14 hours for that." Yeah. Okay, I guess I'm time to go home. That's how I feel yeah. like most most people do that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, we're we're probably just gonna stay put, and uh, you know, we've all got a couple of toys to play with, and I totally forgot to mention we ended up with my son on the 28th, so the 29th we did like our little family Christmas with him. And his big gift this year, and this is so appropriate to this podcast, which is why I circled back to it, is we got him like a sort of a cosplay level Anakin Skywalker outfit because he's super into Star Wars right now. And so, you know, he's got like the whole robes and, the you know, like we're not talking like a spirit Halloween store. We're talking like, you know, he could wear this to, I don't know, Comic-Con or something. Wait, wait. So, so wait, wait. Which ones has he seen? Uh, oh, he's seen them all. He's seen, yeah. I mean, he's like, he, but he's a huge like Revenge of the Sith fan, you know. He, which concerns me a little because it's like he really loves Anakin's like Fall to the Dark Side, and I'm like, okay, well, don't go following in his footsteps. <laughs> but uh, especially if it results in you like murdering your father, which is me. So uh, no, he's he's uh yeah he's I mean he's seen them all, but he you know he's got his little go tos that he circles back to so. Oh, good. That's um very, very, very appropriate. I mean, yeah. For this was pocket. I was, I was, I was waiting for you to say, "Oh, well, you've seen the originals and the prequels." I was like, "Good." So the only ones you got to watch are going to disappoint him more. That that that's good. Okay, great. <laughs> well, he, he has seen the sequels, and he really likes like Kylo Ren, which is, I mean, that's fine. I think Kylo Ren is, you know, we like we've talked about. He's probably one of the better characters to come out of the sequels, uh, in in certain doses. Um, but he doesn't really go back to those very much oh really see i i don't know i mean i feel like if you watch one you kind of got to watch all nine but maybe, maybe i'm wrong about that I, that's just how i am but um so for those wondering this is part three part one posted on it was on september 22nd of this year part two posted on october 6th so whatever how however you listen to the show you can certainly find them on on those dates i'll that should be easy to find with those dates, but and they were talking about the 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 past and the present of Star Wars, and this one part three will be talking about where Jeremy and I would take Star Wars had we the had we that that seat in the in the writing room, which we don't. And I'm and I'm, <laughs> I th- I think I think recently it hasn't been confirmed that Kathleen Kennedy is going forward with more Ray stuff. That's been talked about. Yeah. I mean, I haven't, uh, I haven't read in detail some of those articles because I think it's, you know, we were just talking about this, uh, before we started about just excitement for new things coming out. And, you know, 
it's really hard to be excited for anything now. And I don't even say that as like somebody who's inherently cynical because I'm not, I'm a pretty optimistic person when it comes to most things. But uh, I think the state of cinema in general right now, especially when you're dealing with like big properties, um, you know, it's hard to not see trailers for these things and kind of sniff out where they're going to take it. And so when I hear that, like, they're doubling down on the Ray stuff, it's like, the, it's like, are, are, is Lucasfilm at all paying attention to, you know, their fan base? And I don't, here's the thing. I don't think it, I, I to, to be honest, if, if, if I had to, if someone held a gun to my head and said, tell me what you think is going on, if you're wrong, I'm going to shoot you, is... I would just say I think this I, Kathleen Kennedy's trying to stay relevant. She hasn't been relevant for for, for for twenty plus years. She's trying to stay relevant and she's trying to push Ray. And that's her agenda. And I mean, and, and then yeah. he, what 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 he would do is he would, he would pause for a second, uncock the gun, and be like, "Okay, you can go." Because that's accurate. I mean, that's if if <laughs> if if ever there was a place not to take Star Wars, it's continuing with the least popular hero in the entirety of the saga. That's what yeah. you don't do. Yeah, and I, you know, I don't even think that, you know, I don't even say that uh, as I'm not faulting even Daisy Ridley for her portrayal of Ray. It's not for you know for the for the script that she was had in front of her, you know, as an actress, she performed it fine. I never had any problem with her portrayal of it, but it was the way the character was written in the direction that it was taken. And the thing is, is that that. That if you know if Lucasfilm is paying attention to their fan base at all, and not just the people who show up at Star Wars celebrations screaming their heads off because they're, you know, they're just diehard, evergreen, uh, come hell or high water Star Wars fans, the people who actually were giving feedback about those movies, I mean, you know, all, all you have to do is look at the whole um, Mary Sue controversy, right? The whole. The thing that um, I think it was Max Landis sort of started where he describes Ray as a Mary Sue, which if you're unfamiliar, uh, a Mary Sue is a character who kind of doesn't need to be taught anything and is good at everything right away and really experiences no uh, growth. And, and the, you know, people, uh, people who were huge supporters of Ray, fired back and that and said but she's not that's you know you can't say that about her and that's not true and it's like the 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 issue with that is if you look at the definition of what that term means that is that's actually factually true (laughs) she when we meet that character look at how many encounters how many problems she encounters and ask yourself does she ever not get herself out of one of those problems right like all the way from when um, Finn, you know, goes to save her the first time when she sees she's in trouble. Nope. She beats those guys up before Finn gets there. She's, you know, she expertly flies the Millennium Falcon with no problem. Uh, later in the movie, she gets captured. And again, she escapes before they even get there to rescue her. Um, I mean, it, you just, you see that through all three of those sequel movies that, I mean, by definition, she's that she's a, she's a Mary Sue and it's, there's a place for that character in certain stories, but when it's your main character, that's a real issue because we don't get to then join that character on the journey of learning and discovery and self-reflection and 
evolution that you want a main character to go through, right? Because, uh, you know, and then you, you contrast her with Luke Skywalker, who, <laughs> you know, that guy gets handled like through the whole first movie. The really the only thing that Luke really accomplishes in that first movie uh, is probably that the very end when he when he is uh, successful in getting those torpedoes down the the heat shaft and the Death Star. I mean, other than that, it's like he's in the cantina and that guy starts roughing him up. And that guy just throws him down like it's nothing. And Obi Wan has to get him out of that, you know. And and you see a lot of that through. Uh, I mean, even when they get stuck in the trash compactor, it wasn't like Luke's genius that got them out of that. You know, the droids had to shut that thing off so he didn't get crushed to death. And but like, but that's what you want. You want to be able to start with the character kind of in their beginning and and move with them, whether it's Luke Skywalker or it's, you know, Frodo and Sam or whoever in the kind of story that you're dealing with. And, um, uh, or, you know, or Neo in like the matrix. I mean, Neo was a complete greenhorn when he comes into, you know, when he, when he first gets freed from the matrix and all that, he doesn't know what he's doing. And, uh, the problem with Mary, the problem with Ray and the whole Mary Sue thing is that, that that was a legitimate piece of feedback and criticism that those films received. And in fact, that that was already there after the first movie, after the force awakens and it was completely ignored. You know, they just, they kind of just doubled down on the second and third of those sequels. And so now that Kathleen Kennedy is saying, well, we're going to do more of that. It's like, well, the, the, they can't pos- <laughs> they, they they can't possibly be listening to fans because even the hardcore yeah. fans, I, I they would not choose Ray as their next jumping off point. They just wouldn't. There's no way. Yeah. Just, and I know a few of them, and you you yourself are, are one of those fans. So, not. I mean, I, it's it's very difficult, and it's not. I'm not saying that Ray was. I want to go back to something you said about. It's unfortunate because da- Daisy Ridley is a fine actress. There's, the, but it just the material wasn't on the level it should have been. And it's a shame that just that trilogy got fractured and splintered by having, you know, JJ did the first one and then Ryan Johnson, the second one, because of all the controversy surrounding, he did not do the third one. Then JJ had to come back and, you know, because of what Ryan Johnson did in the second one, JJ must've, he, he's when, when he sat down to like finally map out the third one, he's like, well, fuck now. What do I do? Like what? Everything's been, Everything I did was undone in the first, uh, in the second movie. So, yeah, it's, it's a shame for Ray that that's what happened, but that's what happened. So, I mean, it, it's all. I mean, we've been saying for a long time. The fans have been saying for a long time. Maybe it's time we just move away from the Skywalkers. It's so convoluted now. That's the whole thing. Like, it's just it's so convoluted. The whole Skywalker mm-hmm. thing. So maybe if we just get away from that, you could resurrect Star Wars. But some of the shows that you and I talked about on part two, which was october which posted october 6th that was they are i don't even want to say middling most of them are just poorly written and it's a shame because i'm, I'm looking at some of these movies and shows coming out i don't like Andor season two probably be be, be worth look, looking at i don't i don't know what skeleton crew is um yeah and or season two i'm excited for um and I'll, yeah. I'll you know you mentioned the writing i'm excited for that because of the writing i'm excited that tony gilroy uh who's actually one of my favorite screenwriters in general i mean he, he's done a lot of stuff um and 
he yeah i'm excited for the second season of that because of how well written the first one was and because it was a slow burn like they they intended to make a show for adults and so they patiently unfolded that story and yeah that's i agree with you on that that i mean that, that goes into my whole thing about like I don't think there's many there there are adults making movies simply because they are up there in age and they are adult by that definition but they're not they aren't adults making movies not not like right. even 25 30 years ago 50 years ago it's just not they just don't have that kind of then there's the then there's a the the, the acolyte which people are less than thrilled about look looking forward to uh the bad batch the mandalorian season 4 which I'm quite frankly surprised is getting a season 4 then there's the untitled. I'm looking at entertainment. I, none of this has been confirmed. I don't think yet. And then, then we get down to the Dave Fellini movie, which, I or sorry, Filoni, which he did. Filoni, mm-hmm. What did he just do? He did one of the. Oh, he did um Ashoka. I mm-hmm. think, right? Yeah, which mm-hmm. I didn't. I thought was, I if if again put that same situation, me and a gun, I would have been like a teenager wrote that. Absolutely, a teenager wrote that. <laughs> there's, there's, there's no way a seasoned screenwriter wrote a show. There's just no way. But the only one I'm really excited for is a James Mangold movie because James Mangold has proven his worth again and again. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not with Dial of Destiny, the, the Indiana Jones, but before that, Mangold's resume is pretty impressive. So... You know, I think I, you know, in in the vein of maybe I'm jumping the gun, but in the vein of where does Star Wars go from here, I I honestly think that what Star Wars needs is it needs the input of filmmakers who are not Star Wars fans, who are not uh, overwhelmed and overcome by the like the cultural sort of uh, influence of Star Wars, the iconography of Star Wars. You know, like I don't need to hear from a filmmaker. Uh, you know, yeah, I've I've been a fan of Star Wars since I, you know, was a one and a half years old, and I was swinging around a plastic lightsaber. It's like I don't need somebody who is so. And he, I mean, on, and that's what Dave Filoni is. And and when he tells his stories uh, in the Star Wars universe, you see that. You see, like he may be technically proficient and all that, but he is telling his stories as somebody who is very much a star wars insider and who get who, who gets the sort of esoteric uh in culture of star wars and the problem with that is that things it becomes you know be sort of an echo chamber right like we you end up recycling the same lines or the same character archetypes and you know there's there's always a han solo in one of these stories and there's always a um uh you know, a Millennium Falcon type ship. Somebody always has their, their sort of uh, the ship that that's sort of slightly banged up, and they also live on, and they fly around and fight with. You know, and this kind of stuff. Um, and like, uh, which I think wasn't. I think it was called the Ghost in um, like the Rebel series. I'm trying to remember what that that ship was, but you know. And one of the things that I appreciated about Andor was like, like. Tony Gilroy, he's not a Star Wars fan, and he'll be the first to tell you that. He'll he's the he's he, he's the first one to say like, yeah, you know, I, I didn't grow up with this stuff, and I haven't been interested in, in this stuff. And but what he recognized was that he was able to take a very colorful kind of universe and tell a, a parallel story that is really a, kind of a dissection. And a, a, a 
I'm blanking on my, the other word, a, um, you know, an examination of like what Nazi Germany was when it was coming up, you know, and, and like, they take the time to do that in that show. And it's, and it's really fascinating. And I hope that James Mangold, like, uh, does the same thing. I hope he's not like just a, a, a fanboy who, um, you know, wants to come into this star Wars universe and, and play, um, and, you know, uh, and fetishize lightsabers and like, you know, all the things that we've already seen 10,000 times. And well, I don't think he will. He, 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 I mean, I think looking at Logan, he, 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 he didn't do that for X-Men. Yeah. He treated, yeah. He treated Logan with the respect that movie deserved. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's important because like, that's why I think he'll, I'm excited for it. Cause it, he seems like someone who kind of, if he is a fan of star Wars, he'll remove that from what actually needs to be done to tell the story. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, this is, you got four seasons of star Wars coming in 2024 and a Taiki, a Oof. Taika with Taika with movie and a James Mangold movie. And I don't like, again, Taika Waititi, like he's, isn't he a joke these days anyway? Like that's the whole thing is, <laughs> I mean, unless I'm saying like people don't really view him as like a serious filmmaker anymore. A, lot, a lot's happened. I mean, Taika even the Thor, I mean, the Thor, I, like the Thor movie that he did, I remember uh, enjoying it just as a piece of like, oh, this is kind of funny. They're doing like a comedy in the Marvel world. Um, but I didn't, like you said, I didn't take it as like a serious story with stakes that i should be concerned about <laughs> that's, that's okay so th- one thing before before we get into where we would take it what i want to say is i was thinking about it because I, I i just finished um or i'm almost done with uh rebel moon part one mm-hmm. a child of fire from Zack snyder for netflix and it's it copies star wars so close at times that it had me thinking about i was thinking about star wars while i was watching so I, I had to turn it off because like my mind wasn't there to finish to, to, to be fair and impartial to Rebel Moon, so I had to turn it off for a while. But and then but Star War but when was the last time Star Wars had actual stakes? Like, like you were mm-hmm. you were really invested in the characters. And I'm not talking just after the original trilogy, when was the last time you were and, I, and none of the shows? I'm talking about Well si- Yeah, yeah. Well sidebar, you know the backstory of the development of Rebel Moon, right? I'm not sure I know the whole backstory. No. So Zach's that was actually Zack Snyder's pitch for a Star Wars movie. Yeah, he that, was going. That, yeah, yeah he was going to do a Star Wars movie for Lucasfilm, and um, I don't know who the parallel characters are. You know, from Rebel Moon to Star oh, dude, Wars, or if, or if they were going to all be original. Nope, they're exact parallels. Every single yes. One. So, <laughs> so but when he uh, when he didn't get to do it when that project fell apart. Um, after it was in development and I think it went into like turnaround or something for a while. Um, he just decided to do it as its own thing. You know, he's like, okay, well I'm going to take all of the, the direct star Wars stuff out of this. Like, I don't know the empire and Jedi and those kinds of terms. And he was just going to create his own little uh, mythology around it. Well, Um, someone, someone can tell Zack Snyder he failed because the first five seconds I was thinking about star Wars. (laughs) (laughs) So. <laughs> now what was i'm sorry now what was your original question before i took that sidebar oh, 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 um, stakes when was the last because like i'm talking about stakes like the scene in well a new hope was full of them and mm-hmm. then like like and then there's that one those wonderful scenes in empire strikes back which is mm-hmm. those which scenes. are very personal stakes those are smaller yeah, well, stakes. Well, that's the story it's like story yeah, yeah. always should have been smaller internal struggles. sure sure 
Well, I know, you know, and I, I really love, and I've, uh, I know that Return of the Jedi gets criticism for things like the Ewoks and whatnot. We've talked about that, but <clears throat> I really love the stakes at the end of Return of the Jedi. Like to me, that rebel battle against the Empire feels, it feels desperate. It's like, okay, they have their entire fleet here. They're throwing everything at this. And now they've been trapped. Like this whole thing was a ruse. The Empire kind of swoops in behind them. You know, you kind of really feel like, all right, they're they're going to have to really knuckle down to get out of this or everything's, you know, uh, screwed. And we're talking big stakes. We're talking like the Empire and the Death Star and all that. And then we're also talking about the small, really personal stakes that are happening in the throne room in Return of the Jedi. And for me, what works about the ending of Return of the Jedi is that you kind of get both. You get like they are trying to win a war. And also Luke is trying to bring his father back to the light. And if he fails there, could they still win the war? Sure. But will we feel the same about it? I don't think so. You know, I think um, I think it would still feel like a loss if Luke had had failed to, uh, you know, redeem Vader. Um, You know, I I think the prequels succeeded in a few places when it comes to stakes. But of course, you know, we've talked about some of the the convoluted nature of um, of those stories. I don't think the sequels succeeded at all. I think that was a that felt like we've talked about like a complete rehashing of the original trilogy stuff. I mean, instead of uh, the death star, there was star killer base. And instead of, you know, a big fleet of uh, Imperial ships, there was a even bigger, absurdly large fleet of uh, whatever the heck they were calling them. Not the new empire. What do they call them in the sequels? <laughs> the the new order. Um, oh, yeah, the new order. Yeah. Yeah. You know when when Palpatine raises all these ships out of the under from underground for some reason. Um, you know they tried <laughs> to make the stakes. The problem with the making the stakes that big, right? You've got like ten thousand star destroyers and like ten thousand. You know of the, all these like civilian ships that showed up to help. Is that? Uh, and, and now. I'm, getting kind of sort of writer nerd on you is like your mind can only really understand a certain level of what's at stake, right? Like, like we understand that feeling of a home invasion and I'm there and it's me and my kid. And that's, you know, my kid is what's at stake that one person, right? But that's personal and it's small and it's immediate and it's dangerous. And that feels you know, you can have something like that in a movie that's well done and that can feel very intense and, uh, and just tense in terms of tension. And, um, and then you can, you know, you do what a lot of these movies do, which is that you make the stakes so massive and so quote unquote epic and sprawling that you really can't, you can't get your head around that. You know what I mean? Like when you're talking about movies and storytelling, one person's one child being killed feels worse than, oh, you know, there was a huge battle and 10,000 died. It's like, okay, but you don't know any of those people. You, you don't see, you haven't seen their faces. You don't know anything about them. You know, you haven't, you can't get to know 10,000 characters <laughs> in a movie. You know? So, um, 
bigger is definitely not uh, always better. And I would argue, I would argue that bigger is usually never better, right? I think, I think when you have the big story, uh, you have to tell the small story in the big story. You, you can never actually tell a big story because a big story has a big quantity of characters. It has a big quantity of dramatic threads and all these things that are working at the same time. And you, you can't do that in two or three hours. And you, you can't tell the story, the actual real story of 5,000 people. <clears throat> you have to tell the story of like two or three people so that you can get into the lives of those people and the emotions of those people and <clears throat> the transformations that those people are going through. And, you know, even, even when dealing with the, the small, the relatively small number of characters in the sequels, like there was, there were still kind of too many people, you know, it was the too many characters to track and follow and try to care about, uh, Let's play a game here. Let me see if I can name them. Uh, so in the in the third sequel movie, we've got Carrie Russell in the helmet, <laughs> whose name I don't remember. We've got Poe. We've got Finn. We've got Ray. We've got uh, you got a whole host of people. You have the girl that Finn was yeah. like, you know, making eyes at, whose name I don't remember on, on Rose, the strange, th- on the strange looking host uh, horse. Uh, yeah, Rose. Okay, so we're up to six now. Uh, did I already say Kylo Ren? No, I didn't. Seven. Um, Palpatine. So we're up to eight. Uh, who else we got? I know there's more. Uh, <laughs> no, but the, your, 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 your point is Chewbacca. Well, Chewbacca. Yeah. Your point is your point is well received. It doesn't. It's too. It's too many already. Yeah. So yeah. So even even within the small story they were trying to tell in the big story, the small story was too big. It was nine main characters were supposed to care about and pay attention to. And uh, it's just, you know, you know, I, I would also, I would almost argue the, the greater extreme. I would say the bigger your big story is, the smaller your small story has to be right. It, 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 you, you need to be so intimately familiar with your, your immediate small story main characters that you what you really care about in that is what is their place in the big story and what does it mean to them and their lives and whether or not they're going to survive and all this kind of stuff rather than you know what's happening in the big story the big story is just the circumstances they're in right the actual story though is what's happening with these like two or three or four characters well, sure sure and I, I don't know where that falls into uh, how a studio quantifies what we have to do versus what we should do to make money, like where it falls. Because like I'm sure that it's somewhere in that line they have a, okay, we've reached now with what we've shot the threshold for it will make the most amount of money. for the, And now we can just kind of coast on what we've shot and kind of bring it down, not worry about the big pieces. But there's a there's there's like a cost analysis spreadsheet somewhere that that's why i mean there's is there, <laughs> there, but there has to be like there's no other explanation for how bad some of these star wars movies have turned out versus where they used to be and them not like immediately like you know what we're sorry we're gonna we're gonna do better next time because like then the next time they did even worse than 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 the the prequels the sequels were even worse so it's yeah. like where does this cost analysis come from who like who 
greenlit nine or did did no one say no to jj like were they like jj you have the emperor who's been dead for a long time now raise ships out of a ground is that not too ridiculous how do you gonna do that and like them them they must not have told him no is my point it's like they were just like okay well it's jj so we figure he knows what he's doing it's just well you know any it, sense as is, is, is all it's funny i mean you know what happened what happens in these like kind of writer now i want to say i don't want to say writer rooms but these kind of story executive rooms you know where you have like creative executives and you have vps of development and people like that sitting down with filmmakers what tends to happen is that all the executives in the room are looking at the director okay as far as what's the film going to be and all that because the director is ultimately you know and this is even in the dga rules is that the director ultimately has quote unquote authorship of the movie um whether or not they've written it right it's a it is a so-and-so film right you see that you even see that in the way that directors are credited um but the director's usually looking at the writer right so you've got this whole room looking at the director but the director's looking at the writer and so and i don't just say this as a writer myself but when when all this stuff is what it is in these movies i blame the writer because it is the writer excuse me it's the writer's job to tell the absolute best story that he can tell which if a director is any kind of director will be on board with and through that uh process that's how the studio and the executives and all that get on board is you know they tend to hire a director who they feel like can really handle a project of that size or caliber or whatever. And, you know, they may have their like hit list of like, well, but we need to have, you know, especially now with, you know, wokeness being such a thing. in a lot of these studios, it's like, okay, well we have to have, uh, you know, if, if it's a cast of five, we have to have at least two people of color or this film has to pass what's called the Bechdel test, which is a test for, uh, the roles of women in movies. And I forget the three elements of it, but it's something like, like two women have to speak to each other. It has to be not about a man. And it has to, I think, and then at least like one of them has to be a main character. I'm probably getting that wrong, but you know, it's this kind of arbitrary thing for like making sure that, uh, you know, women are having like prominent roles in movies that isn't them just talking about, you know, what, you know, so like a relationship they're having with a guy or something like if it's a romance, you know, if it's a rom-com or something. (laughs) Um, So like the studios will have these like arbitrary requirements for like what they want uh, in a movie. And then of course, when you're getting into things like, you know, there's product placement stuff. There's, I mean, there's all sorts of crazy stuff, you know, like when you get into the Michael Bay movies, it's like, okay, well, you know, going back to those, like the Transformers stuff. I mean, you see, you see Mountain Dew everywhere. You see Chevy, you know, like, you know, like the studios, obviously they do have these massive like deals with, uh, with um, other companies for certain kinds of movies. But when it comes to something like Star Wars, you know, you can't throw Pepsi in like, the background in a Star Wars movie. So they're really going to stick to their ideological things. It's going to be, it's going to be, you know, right now it's going to be like the woke stuff. But I will say, I think 
I think if you're a writer who has written a powerful enough story, uh, a well-executed enough story, um, you can, to some degree, uh, overwhelm that impulse to where if you have such a strong script that there's really no question about something being missing from it, um, you know, some of that stuff you can you can you can push past especially if the director's on board with it <clears throat> and i think that i think that studios uh you know we were kind of talking about this before we started it's like they've they've really uh become overwhelmed by uh these really arbitrary things that they think belong in their films you know i mean it's famous now the 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 zoom meeting that was, that took place between all those Disney executives where <clears throat> they were point blank saying like, I want, you know, trans stuff in our movies. I want, um, you know, gay stuff. I want this, I want that. And I'm not criticizing any of those, uh, cultures or lifestyles, but what does that have to do with the story you're telling? You're not, you're not talking about story at that point at all. You were talking about agenda driven filmmaking. And that's the poison that if Star Wars continues, that's going to be the poison that will cripple Star Wars in the long run. Because what do you mean cripple in the long? It's already been crippled by that same stuff. Yeah, I mean in the long run, in the sense that Star Wars still kind of has an audience, but it's it is it is dwindling. I think is is uh... well. The, I see. I I don't think you're right about that, Jared. I really I want to say you're right. However. Because there are people that watch all these Disney Plus shows that think they are great, and like they're legitimately like, and they're also voting in elections. It's like, how is that possible? I don't, <laughs> like, I just don't get. Like, what do you see as a Star Wars fan? What do you see here that you like? What do you see here? Do you think is is on the same quality level as A New Hope, as Empire Strikes Back, as Return of the Jedi? What do you see? It's okay to like something and it still be bad. Just because you like it, it doesn't make it good. Like the separating those two things, I feel, is so hard for some people. It's okay to like bad things, but you have to admit when they're bad. Yeah, well, I think, and and I don't mean this as an insult to anyone, especially in your audience, but I think there are people that they their their bar for what they want in a story is so low <clears throat> that. Yeah, they're they're fine with everything that you're talking about. It doesn't even occur to them when something like wokeism, even for somebody who like doesn't isn't considered, they don't consider themselves woke. They don't really care. It's like, hey, you know what? I want some, I want some dog fights between spaceships. I want some lightsaber battles. I want some adventure stuff. And which is fine. and yeah, I want, I want I want maybe a love story, and they don't necessarily care how well any of those things are executed. And, and but maybe, you know, and, and maybe that's what the research is telling this, uh, Disney is that's what. But like, I just don't think that's the case. And, I, and and I don't mean to, I really don't mean to insult anyone. And, and maybe it's that some people's bar is just so low they're just happy to have the content. And maybe and right. maybe and maybe that is the case. But it's yeah. just for someone like me, I I need substance to my story. Like I can't even. I, I had to walk away from Rebel Moon because it was just so low on substance that yeah I can't even I got I can't even finish this right now like it's I it's it's terrible yeah and I wouldn't despair I think that I think that a great uh, uh, maybe not majority but I think a great number of people out there 
uh, agree. They still want substance in their storytelling. They, <clears throat> they still want something of value. And, you know, and maybe they don't, they don't know why they don't have that in some things. They may just go, eh, yeah, I saw it, but I didn't, I didn't really like it. Or, well, or I some, couldn't keep watching it. Some, you know? some, something happened between the completion of the, the prequels and the completion of the sequels. And what I mean by this is I don't think – if you go back to that time, 99, 2002, and 2005, I don't think you'd have too many people that like, yeah, I loved it. But it's bad. I, I I understand it's bad. I get it. But like now, now it's like the, with the sequels. I loved it, and it was great because they just don't know how to separate those two things: is quality and enjoyment in a movie. And something happened between those eras. I don't know if they think the studios find that there's their research is telling them that people are more gullible or they're dumber or whatever the case may be. Something happened between those two trilogies being finished. You know what I mean? Like something definitely yeah. happened, and I just don't know what it is. I've been trying to figure that out for a very long time. You talking fact, about between you talking about between the the prequel and the sequel trilogies ha- happening? Yeah, 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 because like even though people, I mean, people liked the the prequels, but they also understood they were bad, you know, and they were bad. But like people liked the sequels, and they think they're great. Yeah, I mean, we've we've talked about that. You know, there's things in the in the prequels. Again, yeah, that I know that I know uh, are bad um, in terms of just but, but like, I can writing people, and storytelling. I can tell people why in the story breakdown, why this makes no sense in the sequels or the prequels. But like they don't – people are less willing to, to listen to analysis about that. And they're more yeah. – they just kind of like, well, I, I, I enjoyed it. So it's, therefore it's great. And like – but that's my point is like how they're – where – where they're going with Star Wars is certainly going to have some of these same metrics that they had when making the the the, 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 the sequels. Is there they're going to? Use, I mean, they're obviously sticking with Ray, so a lot of the same metrics have to be there. So, I mean, going going into where we would take it is this is of course just like a this is a dream for you and me of like where were you because you and I both would love to see Star Wars get back on track. We'd love to yeah. see we'd love to see three movies where every movie had stakes and every movie you're sitting at the edge of your seat because you just don't think the hero is going to make it out alive. And like, we need to get that back and it's just not been there for some time now. And that's a problem. Yeah. So yeah, give me, give me before we move into where you would take it. I've just, if you want to wrap up what you were saying, some final thoughts about that. So we don't just cut it off cold Turkey, but um. No, I just, yeah, I think that, well, I mean, like I was saying, it's like, I, you know, even I've been guilty of that where it's like, you know, I can revisit the prequels because, because yeah, sometimes it's fun to just like, you know, watch one of those insane lightsaber battles or, or, you know, uh, or a, a battle in space or, or you just want to be, you just want to take in the sort of universe and the music, you know, and, and the, the all the environmental stuff that you see in those movies, as far as like locations and set design and all that. Or, or like, like, or like you just want to turn it on and listen to in the third movie, you will, you, you will not take off from me. Like the very stiff line. <laughs> of, like sometimes you just want to like yeah. you and your friends are drinking. Just like, let's watch that again. And then like, it's fun just to rehash it. Like I yeah. get, I understand that I do. Even in the, even in the sequels, I get there are moments that people like, I get it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's even there's even moments that I like in those movies, and I, I tend to be, 
<coughs> excuse me, I tend to be more critical of those movies than I am of the prequels. Um, but there's, there are like, yeah, there are some things where occasionally it's like, ah, that kind of looks cool or that's a fun moment or whatever, you know, and, and uh, I'll revisit it from time to time. I think, you know, like you said, sort of moving into where, where would we take Star Wars? I think in spite of all that and in spite of people's uh, predilection to uh, accepting things that they kind of know aren't great, but it's it's fun for them or it's just it is just entertainment for them. It's not anything illuminating or elucidating or, um, you know, uh, otherwise deep or exalting for them. It's just entertainment, right? It's just lights and sounds and color, you know, and. Uh, I think as a storyteller, what you have to do is you have to start exceeding people's expectations. You have to bring them into that world for all that stuff. And I'm talking about your baseline uh, film goer or TV watcher who they're going to put it on and it's kind of just content for them. They're not super invested. They're not, um, they're not, you know, they're not there necessarily for all the bells and whistles, but they want to, they want to hear the bells and whistles, you know? And, um, I think you have to start exceeding that expectation. You have to start telling stories that gets that person to go, man, I, I, I watched that cause I thought it would be fun and it was great. <laughs> you know, like it, it takes them past that point of, of just there for being something, uh, just there to, to see something shiny, you know? Um, and, uh, yeah. And I think that would be starting as a baseline. That would be, I think part of my approach to where should, where could star Wars go in the future? It's, t- it's tough though, because you gotta, you really gotta be cognizant of, I mean, are we going to start again with another title, another title crawl that says a new order has risen and the rebels are once again on the back foot. Like, I mean, <laughs> I, I, if you'd have said to me, that's how episode seven starts in 2015, I'm like, there is no way they're going to do that. Yeah. No, for, so for one thing, I think, so if I'm going to get into like pitch mode here now, um, I, I wish I had something more formal kind of worked out, but I think for one thing, what you do is you don't do a big story again. I think what you do is your big story is, your characters trying to prevent the next big story, right? So it's not them fighting some big new empire, but there's one cooking, right? There's one, there's one on the uptick. There's one that's trying to get its, its pieces together. There's another a-hole out there who's decided that he's going to become, or she is going to become, let's not leave women out. (laughs) He or she, uh, of any they, color, they, of any color or background. They, uh, they. yeah, they, th- this person is going to become, you know, the next, uh, dictator or the next, whatever, the next threat to freedom. Um, and the story is essentially your main characters trying to prevent that, right? It's well, of course, it's that's, that's what we talked about in the last part of. Maybe- yeah. So even, even your macro stakes, right? Your big story, scale that down, bring that down because again people's minds you don't you can't really engage with something like that you can't engage with 
<clears throat> this the scope of what an empire actually is. You know, like people still don't understand how huge the Roman Empire really was, and the fact that it survived officially until the 14th century when like Constantinople fell. Like the Roman Empire didn't just die when what was it the Gauls I think who finally overran them the Goths of the Gauls yeah. yeah it didn't it didn't just die when that took place it kind of just moved <laughs> you know they they established a new headquarters in Constantinople and it stayed there for like a thousand years and so it's it we but we don't we can't really conceive of of like things that are that vast and sprawling and big and so I think what you do is going forward with Star Wars, <clears throat> we we now know what that is, right? We know what the Empire is. We know what the New Order is. I think it would be, and I hate to say this because I would love to do it personally. <laughs> Unfortunately, I think you can't just ignore the sequels. Um, I, and speaking realistically, I don't think Lucasfilm or Disney ever would. They would never admit like, all right, we really whiffed it with those three movies. So we're just going to pretend they didn't happen. And we're going to start over with some new sequels. No, they, uh, they, they can't, they can't possibly do that because then there's so many like casting implications that also they're like, what do you mean? You're, you're admitting you yeah. like, there's so many, there's so many political things that they, they just, for reasons that political, they just could not do that. Yeah. So I think you don't do that. I think you, you know, you keep those in place, but your next stories especially now that we know what those things are. We've seen that in that universe at least twice as far as our main canon goes, you know, not, not including old Republic or video games or any of that kind of stuff, <clears throat> but we know what that is. We don't need that again, but your characters in the new, in the new stories are trying to prevent that. And we're, what you're really in is you're in the, the details of that. You're in like the fine print of that, where it's like, you know, it's a small group of, uh, I hesitate to use the word rebels, but, you know, revolutionaries or insurrectionists or something who are trying to assemble fleets and they're trying to gain power, you know, gain power in different places. And they're they're trying to secure just like these five star systems so that they have a base of operations. And, you know, but but we know as the main characters that once that's established, we're not going to really be able to penetrate that. And so it's going to be able to grow. And so you you stack your stakes, right? Of of of, and I'm just talking about macro story now, not even the who the characters would be in the middle of that. But but you're dealing with that stuff. You're dealing with there's something new that's trying to grow. Um, but it's but you also have to give that a different face, right? I I think I misspoke earlier when you when I said that they're trying to be like the next dictator. <clears throat> you know, maybe this person thinks they're a freedom fighter. You know what I mean? Maybe they they think they think that they are the new rebellion, the the new whatever. You know that that, that this new republic is actually, uh, in a lot of ways, more constricting and more, um, uh, you know, hindering more freedoms than than the empire did. And so they actually, you, your main character is somebody who's uh, very zealous and who says things that, you know you've whispered to yourself before <laughs> where you're like, I don't know. He seems like he's kind of right. <laughs> you know, and the point is, is that, is that you want to have, you want to have those like moral dilemmas that I feel like the original trilogy had, you know, like 
where things don't feel simple. Um, well, that's what we you know in the part two, we talked about how a very simple strategy or very simple outline, which is where I would go with the next one is, you know, the, the good guys are trying to maintain, or the, 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 the new Republic is trying to maintain peace. They know there's something stirring somewhere. They're trying to seek out that and destroy it before it gets any bigger. And then of course, the end of the first film, if you're going to do a trilogy, which they will absolutely do a trilogy, you you have to have some small but decisive loss for the Republic. But within that loss, they see this is not a small thing anymore. This is actually massive, and now they're now they're on yeah, the or, yeah, or at least their ambitions are massive, right? Like, but like you, like, you could even do something like if 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 Ray, for example, is. She starts the first film in the new trilogy trying to hunt down whatever evil she can because she can sense it. Un- unlike Yo- unlike unlike Yoda, who couldn't even sense Palpatine. Are you kidding me? All oh, the dark side clouds, everything. Shut up. Um, um, oh, okay, so you're, 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 you're useless then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, completely useless. Um, she's trying to find seek out these these um, Sith, you know, kind of people and kill them before they get any bigger but that's the thing is like the moral dilemma of a jedi being used as an assassin but mm-hmm. like she's doing it she's doing it for the good of the republic right like you could play with so much stuff and like yeah she's doing which by the way before. these insurrectionists or the sith that only shows the public see look all we were trying to do was this and they came after us and tried to kill us right so <laughs> yeah. like even that builds their case right and that's what i mean by things are are, are not simple is that is that you uh, you need to be dealing with an enemy who really functions like an enemy, right? Who, 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 who knows that to win uh, a war, you have to win the people, right? I mean, that's kind of always been the case. Like, you know, the Nazi party didn't just explode and start, uh, you know, running tanks all over Europe. They won the ideological war in Germany first. And the Nazi party was built through ideology, right? And so, and then as that grew, you've already won the people, right? You've made them zealous for your cause. You've made them, right? And so it's not so much about building a military as it is building a base of just winning people over, winning normal human beings over so that from them you can script your your fighting force, you know, whatever your your uh, force of action is going to be even Nazi Germany. They won through uh, the power of election and the power of radio and getting their message out there. And, you know, you know, if, if we, so are we going to keep, I guess maybe we should decide this. Are are we keeping Ray? It's like, okay. Yeah. I mean, I would, we have to keep Ray. That's part of the rules, right? (laughs) Well, if you, I guess if you're Kathleen Kennedy, yeah, it's part of the rules. Okay, so Ray's got to be in there. So, uh, what I wouldn't do though is make Ray some kind of Jedi master. I think, I think what you need to do with Ray is really humble that character. I mean, she's already been, you know, they made it, you know the, the the sequels did a really weird thing because they made Ray super special, but then they also had this message of like, yeah, but also anybody can learn to use the force. So you're not that special. <laughs> it's like, you know, they had the kid with the broom and, um, they implied that like, you know, Finn was, uh, 
you know, that he knew what he was doing. And by the way, that annoyed or, me. Or, the kid with the broom, I understand what they were saying with it, but like that annoyed me so much to not do anything else with it. That yeah, I mean, me so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but I think what you do is you humble that character. You you put her in a state where, you know, she's a Jedi Knight, but she realizes now that she kind of has no place to go from here because there really are no masters to teach her to the point of mastery. And, you know, maybe you frustrate her with that realization that there's a sense in which whatever she's learned uh, is, has plateaued, you know, and uh, I really, I I hate the idea of, you know, that she's just going to read these like books that she took from, the little cave on uh, the planet that Luke was on and self teach, you know, herself, like that's not really how these disciplines work. I mean, if you've ever been like an eight year old kid trying to learn karate from a karate book, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, It's like, no, you have to go to a dojo and you have to be instructed by an instructor. Like that's, you can't just read about how to do a, a roundhouse kick and be excellent at it. Um, you know, and these are these are master apprentice relationships. Um, so I think that I think that maybe there's an understanding with her that the only way you know that you're a master is if you're able to teach, right? That's kind of this always the standard for mastery. If you've mastered something, <clears throat> it's because you can teach it. You can, and so you know, maybe part of that story is that she's looking for an apprentice uh, to bring up. And I kind of like the idea that the apprentice she finds starts to sympathize with this new insurrection. Uh, yeah, Not, see, you could, you, you, you could also do a lot of cool things with that too. Well, I mean, absolutely. Cause I think, and I don't even think in an evil way, right? I think Star Wars has always been a little bit, simplistic in their good versus evil thing where it's like, uh, Oh, I got angry. I was in a fight and I got angry and I felt the dark side. It's like, yeah, but that's not really how evil works. (laughs) Evil is often a battle of ideas. And so you could have this person, this apprentice who is proficient with, or, you know, becoming proficient with their use of, the, the good side, the light side of the force. But ideologically, she or he is understanding why this insurrection is taking place. And so you've got someone who is innately good in terms of their motivations and their, um, uh, you know, their desires to, to do well. But, but mentally, they... So spiritually good, but mentally, they they sympathize with who are, we are calling the bad guys in this story. Um, and there's a lot you could do with that, right? I mean, you could you could develop that over th- over three movies into that person and Ray, you know, going at each other at some point, and not even because one is evil and one's good. 
<laughs> right? Like we haven't seen that. We haven't seen two good Jedi go at each other because they both are trying to do the right thing. They just disagree on what the right thing is. Like that's a real problem, right? And how do you how do you deal with good and evil when you've got two people who are trying to, you know, I, I think it's just I think I think it would be interesting to take the mustache twisting out of the bad guys. And I don't mean that I don't mean there won't be like truly evil people in the story, <clears throat> but I think where evil becomes really dangerous is when it looks like something good. Right? Yeah, okay, and, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Star Wars doesn't uh hasn't touched that yet that I'm aware of. No, I don't think it has. I mean, it may be in one. I I didn't. Granted, I didn't watch every show. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they would have been. I don't think they were smart enough to touch on that. So, so, I, so assuming that you feel good about that kind of stuff, who else do you? Who else do you see in, you know, in a, in a story like that? Well, I mean, <coughs> if the one stipulation we're going into is we got to keep Ray, so we're not moving away from the Skywalker saga. Is you've got to do something with Ray. You have to, yeah. she has to go somewhere, you know, it's like, or do yeah. you, I mean, do you make her evil? And then in the end you, you, her, the final act in the last movie is she's turned, but she's, she's put down by someone else. And then the Skywalker saga can finally rest in peace. Oh, right. You know, because she's, she's a de facto Skywalker. <laughs> I mean, look, I mean, you can call her Palpatine all you want, but she's a Skywalker. You know what I mean? Like she, she ends that yeah, movie. Yeah. She ends that movie like acknowledging <clears throat> that she's not a Palpatine, that she is a Skywalker. So yeah. I mean, you can look all you want, but the subtext is there. I mean, um, well, let's pay, let's pay this mind too. I think there, <clears throat> I think even with Ray, you know, even, I think even with acknowledging the sequel movies, we can also just kind of pretend some things didn't happen. <laughs> no, I don't. I mean, it, like, I, you I, know. Love, I love doing like, that with the with these thirty years later sequels. With like, like, the, <laughs> like, I love doing that because I think it's it's great. It gives you time to like look back and see what didn't work and just ignore it. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you could do that. I mean, look, like, like if you think about it, there's no real implicate. I mean, there's no real consequences if we're calling herself Skywalker. It's like okay, she wants to be associated with the Skywalkers. Great, but let's move on. You know, we never have to call her Skywalker again. <laughs> she can just be Ray, Master Ray, uh, whoever Jedi Knight Ray. <laughs> you know. Um, Wait, so you, I'm not. You like, I don't think to... we have to hang a lantern on the fact that she called herself Skywalker. <laughs> no, but I mean, she's still, but even okay, fine. Even if you're going to say nope, she's definitely a Palpatine. Fine, fine, fine. But like, it's still a remnant of that story that has not been put to bed yet. You know what I mean? Like oh, you, I see what you're saying. You're yeah, saying yeah. I don't think we you need can to have follow a, the implications of that. You mean? I think if you had, if if she really was a Skywalker, and I'm just saying, like, I kind of ended that movie by her acknowledging the fact by going back to the farm that that's what she chose rather than to be a Palpatine. Is you could end, you could walk away from the Skywalkers forever if you left a Skywalker alive, but you 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 can't have an actual Palpatine running around and put a bow on that story. Like the the Palpatines yeah. all have to be put down, and maybe maybe the whole thing is Ray figure like going back and forth between Skywalker or Palpatine. Skywalker. I mean, maybe if you, you 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 kind of frame it in a way that 
her moral dilemma. You know, she's trying to find, well, you know, middle, you know, but- yeah. Or, or have it be something that follows her as, you know, like a character that has an ax to grind. Right. I mean, think about how, how much the Skywalkers did going all the way back to Anakin, right? Anakin was this crazy war hero that did all this stuff. Everybody knew who Anakin Skywalker was. Then Luke Skywalker destroys the Death Star and blah, blah, blah. And so you take all that all the way forward into Rey being known as Rey Skywalker. There is somebody out there who's like, she's a Skywalker? Oh, I have an issue with that. Because the Skywalkers either killed my friend or killed my dad or, you know, and now, this is all the bad version of what I mean, but I'm saying her being known as a Skywalker could actually be uh, a problem for her. You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. Well, that's um, the whole thing is like you could do, yeah, yeah. play with all kinds of things. Yeah, because like there's consequences to calling yourself a Skywalker in that universe because you know the Skywalkers were kind of legendary for what they accomplished. Well, people who. People who want to challenge the alpha are going to challenge the alpha in the Skywalkers. There the you go. Stuff. Yeah, exactly. So, or the, especially or the, like yeah. with this insurrection coming up, it's like if they hear that the Republic has a Skywalker doing some of their stuff for them, <clears throat> Ray's going to be target number one. You know. Yeah. And that could well, create I mean, some real problems. Again, for I, I don't. I mean, there's people out there probably seething listeners right now that she's definitely a Palpatine. I get that, but I mean, <laughs> let's just, you know, let's just agree to disagree on that. One. But it's yeah, it's. You really, I, yeah. I would. Look also, in, I would not choose to move forward with Ray. I would choose to do something completely different. And maybe that's what they're doing with the Mangold movie because it's the Mangold movie is called Dawn of the Jedi. So maybe mm-hmm. they're really, maybe they're hopefully they're going to use this to go back to the beginning and maybe just stay thousands of years in the past for a while and just kind of play with that era. Maybe. Yeah, they might. I, I don't know what I don't know what like time period that's supposed to take place in. Well, didn't I don't remember the specifics of wasn't the place Luke was living in episode seven is like that was the birth of the Jedi and the Sith that 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 weird hole in the ground. Uh, oh, you're talking about the cave they were in? Yeah. Well, Luke was in. Yeah. Like that had like the books in it and stuff. Correct. Uh, yeah, I think so. Or it was supposed to be one of the first temples they built or something like that yeah that's the thing it's like i mean and, and then acolyte i'm sure has something to do with the formation of the actual um discipline that is jedi and Sith. I, I don't i mean i don't know any specifics but i mean i don't know where they're going but it's just it's tough to see where they're because star wars is one of those things that like i never would have thought it'd be this far off track from where it started but here we sit so I mean, I. Where do we go with? Okay, tell me, tell me what you would do then, specific, like in 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 giant broad strokes. Where do you go with this? Uh, wait, wait. To be clear, are you talking about with the mangled thing or with what we're talking no, no. about with, with like Ray? with if you if you were tasked with mapping out and starting a new trilogy, where would you start it? I, I after, would, well, I would after the events after the events of Episode Nine. Yeah, I would start it with uh, kind of what I said they should have started episode seven with, which is they should start it with an era of peace. Like we should, <clears throat> we should be able to get a sense of, you know, that the galaxy has been through um, just absolute horrors, <laughs> right? Like twice in a relatively small period of time. Um, and, our characters are kind of trying to find their their place in it. And I think that 
I think Ray is just, you know, she's trying to, um, she's trying to figure herself out, you know, how is she going to continue to grow? Uh, how is she going to become a master and not plateau as a Jedi? How is she going to restore the Jedi? We should get a sense of what's going to be defended later. Right, like something that Lord of the Rings did brilliantly is that <clears throat> we open the the story aside from the cold open. We open the story in the Shire, and we see this beautiful hamlet, right, and and these people living together in sort of a sense of joy and community, and <clears throat> you know they're a little bit silly and they drink a little bit too much, but they you know they have fun and they they just they're just people just living their lives, right. And so, and they keep coming back to that later in that trilogy when, when they're acknowledging that what they're defending, like what the hobbits, you know, are really trying to preserve in keeping this darkness from, from spreading all over the land is the Shire, right? They're not, they're not talking about everything, you know, all over Middle Earth. They're saying if, if Sauron succeeds, there won't be a Shire. Right, they're they're talking about their their home, and we need to get a sense of that in this movie. I don't think you just blast into the movie with "Oh, there's a new problem," and you know, people are blowing stuff up, and people are shooting and running and gunning, and like I think I think you you ease into that story and give us a sense of that. There's finally a sense of like we ha- the worst is behind us. Right. And then like right at your act break at your first movie, something explodes or something so jarring comes like interrupts that piece. Uh, And when I say so jarring, I don't mean a planet blowing up like they don't need to take it. (laughs) They don't need to go that big. Um, So I have a dog in the background uh, somewhere in the apartment. You definitely Um, definitely do. You definitely do. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm talking about. Uh, yeah, like a building or a store. Well, not a store, you know, but like something, you know, like a government, uh, some sort of government structure or something, but something that is symbolic of what these new insurrectionists, which for now, that's what I'll call them, um, what they are going to be threatening. And maybe even one of our main characters was in that building or somebody who we grew to uh, really like in that first act. Um, and so the rest of that first movie is them kind of escalating that situation, right? They're, they're trying to figure out who did this and where it came from. And, um, you know, maybe there's almost a sense too of that, like the old cowboy thing where it's like, do we even have somebody still around who is, can kind of deal with this, right? Like a lot of our war fighters now are aged and, you know, um, and haven't seen this kind of violence uh, in a lot of their lifetime, or, or you know, or, or they were like kids when, <clears throat> when the whole thing with Palpatine and the First Order uh, came to a close. So that dog is going ham wild, man. Ham yeah, I'm sorry. Wild. You know, and maybe the problem also is that yeah, a lot of these, a lot of the war fighters who fought in that last war, they're old now. You know, it's it's. This is something that 
the galaxy hasn't seen in a while. And I don't want to say they don't have still like a standing military. They probably do, but it's, you know, it's kind of like what we went through in the, the global war on terror. It's like we hadn't been in like a major, uh, foreign engagement since like Vietnam. And so a lot of the early years of that war were us like kind of figuring out how to fight this new war, you know? <clears throat> and that's why you had like huge casualties in places like Ramadi and, you know, uh, the initial stages of that war. And so it's like, you know, this Republic, they're concerned that, well, we don't, we're not really prepared to fight a serious pitched battle. So, and maybe that's how Ray gets sort of involved in the whole thing is they come to her and they say, Hey, look, you're a Jedi. Um, we don't, we don't want to escalate this into more than it has to be. And so maybe you can look into it or at least spearhead looking into it for us. <clears throat> and at this point, maybe she's, you know, she's got to bring her new apprentice along as they always do. And this is somebody who I think really you want to be able to put in danger. This is somebody who's pretty green, who, who, who is not uh, safe. <laughs> you know what I mean? They can do a few things, but we don't, we're not dealing with two supermen. You know what I mean? Um, anytime you overpower your characters, you rob the audience of any suspense that they might get hurt, you know? So, uh, yeah. And, and like, and then, like you said, we, you sort of take the story from there. And by the end of the first movie, the enemy has actually won something, you know, maybe it's, maybe they want to, they won a battle at a shipyard and they were able to get away with 10 ships or something, you know, they were able to get away with something, uh, <clears throat> of a military nature that, um, would give them even, even greater chances in the next story. Uh, and I, I, yeah, I, I mean, you, you, you think you kind of have to upgrade this, the, the savage nature of some of the lightsaber battles too. I think you, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you really have to kind of upgrade that instead of being well. This is like Disney would never go for that, but you really have to be more violent and <clears throat> maybe cross that boundary of like again because you're blurring Jedi because there are obviously some Jedi still left, not many Sith, but like you, in order to do a greater good, your Jedi may have to do a little bit of evil, and a little bit of evil being defined as like you just have to finish the person, not arrest them, not <clears throat> put them in front of a tribunal. You just have to kill them. Else it's just going to keep happening. And so, like, there's, I mean, again, the moral implications there can lead to anything that you want to. <clears throat> Ray's apprentice she takes along is maybe the apprentice actually ends up taking down Ray later because Ray kind of maybe is thinking about going over. As far as we're <clears throat> concerned, is you have to start the story small, escalate it to big, slowly, and over the course of two movies. And the third one's, of course, the, the final of that, but. And you have to give us you have to give a scale of good versus evil again. You have to reset those scales of what being a Jedi means, what being a Sith means, and what everything in between means. And I think mm -hmm. this time you you have to lay out you have to give stakes for the average person in the galaxy that just wakes up and 
goes to work eight hours at the droid repair shop or you know then he mm-hmm. then he takes an hour to go get lunch and then he you know takes a 20 minute break later smoke a cigarette like just stuff like that you, like, you have to explain to me what star wars has never been good at doing is what this means for the average person you know andor was good at that which is what i really liked about that show is like they're in that town you know and there's just like these guys like working like in a mine or something but when the empire shows up uh it causes a lot of problems for that town and your average people get extremely at first inconvenienced. And then later, like, you know, some of them actually get killed by the Imperial troops and stuff. And so, no, you're absolutely right. It has to be like, how does this actually affect people in this world? Not just what little dramas are we going to follow with our main characters? Exactly. It's that's where you get the stakes. You know, stakes have to be set up too. You you just have to do that. You have to do it well, and you have to do it right. And it's, I just don't have any faith that they will because they haven't. I mean, they've shown us that they can't. So what, yeah, and I, th- I th- yeah. So I think, and I think Finn, uh, I think Finn. You know, he was a stormtrooper, and then he was, you know, he fought in these battles and stuff. I think by the time of this story, Finn is, you know. He's a military commander, but he's probably kind of a politician. You know, they, they always say that once a general becomes a general, you're really more of a politician than you are a soldier. <laughs> and I think, uh, so I think that aspect of the story, you follow Finn in terms of, you know, what <clears throat> what is the Republic military doing to deal with this problem? But I think by the end of the first movie, you kill Finn. I think, I think Finn's got to go. And and, and I, I'm going to interject on something else. Uh, Finn never has a lightsaber. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You, you leave all that stuff behind. Like Finn, you focus, you, you zero in on the fact that Finn was a stormtrooper. You know, he had formal military training and then he has had combat experience and all that. And in the subsequent years since episode nine, he's parlayed that into essentially being, uh, yeah, like a regional um colonel or general or something for the republic or just some kind of diplomat something that like he yeah, was there you know. he experienced it. he was at the battle like he knows yeah he's a figurehead as yeah. are many as are as what i would do to many people from the who still left in i mean i don't know what what you do with what, what do you do with poe dameron what do you do with poe <laughs> like, does he even does it even matter i think poe's a drunk <laughs> No, I don't know, but I I don't know how they got Oscar Isaac to do that. I have no idea how they got Oscar Isaac. Oh, I know he's such a good actor. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm surprised. No, but that's that's a good question. What what do we do with Poe? I think Finn. I think I feel like his was obvious. I mean, Poe was a good pilot, but he was not. He's not a guy who's going to go up the ranks in. You know, I don't think you just make him like. Oh, he's now he's the senior pilot of the Republic. Navy, you know, I think he probably, uh, I love the idea of him doing like the Star Wars equivalent of like crop dusting now, <laughs> you know, like he flies, like he flies, but he's not, he's not really a good pilot anymore. And that's kind of what I, you know, you're going to see a theme in what I'm saying in, in is like, let's take all these people down a peg, right? Poe being the best pilot in the whole friggin' galaxy. Okay then he's never in danger. So, well, or, you know what I mean? Or, or it's Poe that Ray takes because it's a friendly face and he's a pilot. And Poe and... Yeah, up. but we... 
Yeah, and then and maybe she realizes, oh my gosh, you are not the pilot you used to be. <laughs> you know, Sorry, like, but like I was, yeah, I was going more along the lines is like that's how you can write Oscar Isaac out is he's the big death in the end of the first film when when Ray sees that this is not a small thing. Oh it's yeah, the, yeah, the big movement. <clears throat> yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, I, I or I, you could go ahead. No, just you could even do what they've never done in Star Wars, which is you take out Finn and Poe at the same time. Please, like please we lose two main characters in something awful like that. Um, and I mean, you know, the, people are going to think we're sadistic, but what I, <laughs> I'm just we're talking about what we've been talking about, which is stakes. Right. And now they just they just don't seem to matter in the Star Wars universe anymore. Like, they just don't matter. Yeah. And the only stakes that matter are personal stakes. So if you kill two of your previous main characters, um, that, you know, that tells the audience something. I agree. I mean, but that's not, such a point. Yeah. Um, does, does Ray ever hear from, uh, um, as a force ghost, does Ray ever hear from <coughs> Ben? Yeah, of course. You, well, I was expecting. I'm surprised, I'm surprised we we never got Kylo that. Ren. I'm surprised we never got any of that in the main films, or we never got any more of why. Also, why we have a show with Obi Wan Kenobi, what he never convenes with um, the Qui Gon character until the very last scene. Like what? Just give us that. Give us Liam Neeson yeah. back. Then he was the best part of the first movie. Like give him back. Um, yeah, we yeah. we, we kind of needed that because I mean Luke does quite a bit of that in the original trilogy, but I mean right. that's where it stays. And with the technology to do it better and make it look more natural, you tell me you're not going to do that. Why would you? Mm-hmm. I mean, that way you could just that that would be a vehicle for you know how much information you could give in a four minute conversation rather than like spoon feeding exposition to the audience in like a, a title crawl or. You can use these. Things, <laughs> you 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 can really use these things to your advantage and forward the story yeah. very 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 quickly. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. I mean, what, what I what I want to avoid is her being like, "Hey, Ben, where's this guy I'm tracking down? Can you just find him for me? Thanks." Like that's what I'm trying to avoid. But <laughs> like, I mean, and then yeah. Ben Ben would be cryptic because like that's what movies do is characters have to be cryptic so they can't just reveal the whole movie right away. But yeah, you yeah. could use them to great effect and tell help the story. And like that's why Ray's. Why is Ray still seeing these ghosts if the Sith are dead? Obviously, the Sith aren't dead. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's the whole thing. Is <clears throat> I would I would play with. I, I guess the, the the long answer to my own question is what would I do? Is I would play with the morality of the surviving Jedi trying to wipe out what they think is still a Sith and what that means as far as the as far as the uh, the war is concerned and what that means as far as the average person is concerned. Because I mean, yeah. you obviously, don't want the galaxy to fall in the hands of evil. Because I mean, if you ask me, I don't think the average person cared in the beginning of A New Hope what was going on where, as long as they weren't on a planet that got exploded. I don't think they cared too much. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, as long as you didn't live on Alderaan, I think you were fine. Let's yeah, well, it's hard to tell because they they make a point of saying in the original movie that Tatooine is you know on the outer rim and sort of you know, almost sort of outside the purview of the empire. You know, it's, it's, it's the backwoods, you know, it's the friggin', uh, it's the Nazareth of like the, 
<clears throat> the Star Wars um, uh, universe. You know, can anything any can any good thing come from Nazareth? It's like nobody really cares about what's happening on this sandy dust ball way out in the middle of you know in the way out in nowhere. And that was important to the movie. Is it was like Tatooine was nowheresville, and then people who were enamored with their own story kept taking us back to Tatooine <laughs> over and over and over again. And it's like, wait, didn't you re- listen to your own movie? It was supposed, this is supposed to be a nowhere place, right? You know, obviously I, I think we need to not go back to Tatooine when, uh, when uh, we're talking about this new trilogy, but um, oh, we're definitely, it, look, Ray's involved. We're definitely going back to Tatooine, my friend. That's happening because you buried those lightsabers. Like who's going to, those have to come back into play somewhere. Or wouldn't, oh, right. it, wouldn't it be funny? She buried the lightsabers. I wouldn't forgot. it be funny if you just did a whole movie without any Jedi, without any lightsabers, without any blasters? You just did a movie like a, like a, like a whole. The first movies all build up. There's no, there's, there's, a, there's a final confrontation. That's, but like you, there, there's no lightsabers. I mean, okay, there mm-hmm. could be blasters because you got to have troops, whatnot. But like, there are no Jedi and there's no Sith. There's only Rey. Whatever she is now, that's what you have. And then in the end, like it just in the end of the first film, that it just kind of everything goes wrong and then you see there's a much bigger conflict than what we were led to believe meaning there mm-hmm. are there are still people that believe <clears throat> in, the, in the ways of the sith because <clears throat> one thing they do in ashoka is the ray stevenson character the uh the guy who passed away unfortunately he kind of explains that it's not about being evil it's just it's something else you know what i mean like he ex- i thought they explained that well in the show i thought that was done very well in the Ashoka, but um <clears throat> Again, from my point of view, the Jedi are evil. It's always point of view. It's I. You have to do something to make the stakes matter to these people, and I'm afraid that's what we're gonna not get in the new trilogy. However you do it, it you've got to keep the stakes small. Um, personal stakes is what it has to. Yeah, be. personal. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <clears throat> and and I would I would say even even so, personal stakes, also known as micro stakes. But I would say even the macro stakes, uh, the the larger stakes, I don't, yeah, like we said, like, I think ballooning the whole story up into this massive, you know, empire versus republic kind of thing again, it's, aside from it being just overplayed, it's also, it, it's just, it's unnecessary. You know, you, you don't need to... Um, you don't need to set out to make your story epic because Star Wars has been called that so much. You don't need to set out to do that for really no reason. No, you don't. I mean, if you write the story well enough by itself, it will become that anyway. Or or, or, or at least it'll become what people associate with that word. I don't think that word actually applies much anymore, but it will become a good story that mean something which i think people just use epic to kind of describe anyway so as long as you just yeah, I, well, focus on the story it's fine yeah and i think the word has been repurposed to just mean big but what an epic originally was well, you know it was it was more about what kind of story it was it wasn't about sprawling you know scope the scope of the story it was about the kind of story, you know, an epic usually was a journey of some kind and it was, <clears throat> you know, good versus evil. And it was themes and motifs and, you know, these kinds of 
classic things that you see in storytelling history. And yeah, sometimes an epic was large. It was, you know, two massive armies going up against each other, or that was part of the story. But, you know, a lot of times it wasn't. It was just about getting from one place to the other well, I mean, in the it, midst it, of some kind of... Be- isn't Beowulf considered one of the first epics? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Beowulf and the Geats. Yeah, and then that, that that's, that's right. not army. That's not armies clashing. That's that's the internal struggle of one man, and it's in his the kingdom that he kind of comes to inherit. But yeah, that's a, that's a that's a very it's a very small scale story told on a larger yeah. scale. If that makes sense, it's a very personal story told on a larger scale. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I, I agree. You don't. I mean, you you definitely don't. You definitely don't write characters because they need to be written because you have to have so many characters or whatever you let the story dictate what characters should be if that makes sense yeah what i'm I'm trying to avoid is anything normally made by disney plus i'm just trying to avoid all that (laughs) i just want i just i just want star wars to i just want to walk out of a star wars movie again and be like okay that was great which I never did because I was too young to see the originals in the theater anyway. So mm-hmm. I haven't said that about a Star Wars movie since I like I, ever. Like I yeah, yeah, ever yeah. actually yeah. in the theater. <laughs> yeah. I mean, unless I've <laughs> unless I watched some kind of re-release, I, th- I think I may have watched a New Hope at one point in like 2018 or some. I think it was a weird re-release they did, but I, I, I never saw when it actually came out. Like I, 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 so I've never walked out of a Star Wars movie like. I felt good about the story, good about the characters, and I didn't like. That's a joke. Like every time I walk out, I'm like, "That's a big joke." Like even like seven was probably the closest thing that I can say I walked out of. Like you know what? That wasn't half bad. Oh, no. <laughs> you mean episode seven? For a second, I thought you were talking about seven, the David Fincher film. <laughs> no, no, but that's a good movie. But no, ep- sorry, episode seven, <laughs> episode seven yeah. with. I mean, I, because I was like, okay, well, they've set up so much here. Little did I know they would follow on none of it. But yeah, yeah, that's. I mean, we still do. We do. We know whose eyes that that woman saw in Finn. Do we know that? Did was that ever expanded upon? No, yeah, I didn't think so. But see, that no. was interesting, though. That 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 was interesting. But one of the many interest the JJ always he loves to just throw all these interesting things in the universe and then return to an answer. None of them. That's kind of what he does. Yeah. It's, it's in storytelling. It's what's known as a dry hole. It's like, there's no water in there, right? You just, it's, it's somewhere you go, uh, or you sniff out as though there's more there. And then we never come back to it. We never learn how they found, uh, you know, Luke's lightsaber. We never learned. And that's kind of what I mean is like when you're dealing with a fanboy even if he is a professional filmmaker, you're still dealing with a fanboy. So JJ was a guy who was like, I want Luke's lightsaber back in the story. They found it. And then he never explains how they found it. And and then also it's like, well, why does that even matter? And, you know, why do we need this prop from the original trilogy in the first place? Oh, it's just so that Ray will quickly have a lightsaber and she doesn't have to build one. And, you know, they don't have to explain where they randomly got a lightsaber from, <laughs> you know. As you were, as you were saying all lot- that, I was I, I was thinking about Luke how he takes a he takes a drink of that weird cow milk and then throws it over his shoulder. That's what I was thinking about. Yeah, 
that we are like, why is this in this movie? Like, what is going on here, Ryan Johnson? Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Anyway, go on. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you with that weird cow milk story, but no, I mean that's about right, though. It's it's there's just it's it's uh it's 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 I don't want to say lazy storytelling because I think lazy is a lazy way to put it, but I think it's it's not thought out and it's uh it's instant gratification storytelling because it's it's you wanting something now for the story and not being able or willing to uh properly prepare the audience for it. So you know, Luke's lightsaber is a great example. It shows up in the story, you know, that's a story for another time. And then we never hear of it again. <laughs> and it's like, oh, what's funny is they had the perfect opportunity, right? Because in the third movie, in episode nine, they had Lando Calrissian. And you could have found some silly way of being like, you know, him recounting about how he, fa- you know, they found that lightsaber in the bowels of uh, Cloud City, you know, and it was sitting in a vent somewhere. Who the, I don't know. You know, it's like the, all that would have been probably clunky too. But the point is, is you had, you had Lando Calrissian and he was in charge of Bespin city, <laughs> you know, but they still didn't come back to it. Um, so, so do you, do you, do you bring Lando back again? Do you bring any of the old heroes back that managed to survive or do you, no. with, or do you just let those Le- kind of fade to oblivion? Just leave them alone. Yeah, quit, quit futzing with Yoda and Luke, and you know, give Mark Hamill his dignity. Don't drag him back into, uh, <clears throat> you know. There's a point at which, and maybe this is in sort of the Legends part of the Star Wars canon, but there's a point at which you can't appear as a Force ghost anymore. Anyway, there's a point at which you like sort of more completely become one with the force and your individuality gets kind of absorbed or resorbed into, you know, the universal force. So the idea that you're going to have these people like wandering around as force ghosts for decades upon decades, uh, it's kind of weird. It's like, for what, (laughs) you know, like, like, are they, in case you need them for what? in case you need them for the story they're just there yeah kind of you know <clears throat> it's like you know it's sort of like in catholic theology there's like purgatory before there's heaven it's like that's kind of what the force ghost thing is it's like they're in force purgatory <clears throat> before they actually you know go to be one with the force um so and you know they don't they haven't really circled back to how that became a thing anyway like like Yoda says at the end of Revenge of the Sith that he has learned how to commune with, you know, Obi-Wan's old master. And you're like, you know, you, you're lear- you find out that the Force ghost thing is kind of new because even when Qui-Gon dies, he doesn't disappear, right? They have a funeral pyre and he's there and his body's there and <clears throat> he, um, you know, they burn him. And, uh, and also the other Jedi who get killed, like during, um, you know, uh, in episode two, you know, the big, when they're fighting all the bugs in the arena. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the Jedi who get killed there, they don't like disappear and, you know, they, they just fall down and die. <laughs> so <clears throat> they do imply 
very uh, specifically that that's kind of a, the force ghost thing is like a new thing. And so I think in, even in our story, we could circle back to like why that is a thing, which uh, not to mention it yet again, but the mini series that I wrote that you've mentioned a few times, a few times uh, does mention that <laughs> it does mention that there is a temporal, a, te- a temporary uh, nature to, you know, like appearing as a force ghost and it's kind of supposed to be that way. But no, I think in the new story, I think maybe, you know, uh, Ben solo, uh, you get him to show up a time or two. Um, yeah, but you. But even, I think even yeah, the the danger of doing that is you just carry this on and on and on and on because you keep having characters, of, you know. Then then the solos, and then then you got. I mean, and then what do you do with Ben? Like Ben's part of this. Ben's part of the Skywalker saga, part of the Palpatine saga. And then what do you do with? Ben? Well, no, I think I think what you do is you you finally close that out, right? Like when she's when when she's speaking with him, <clears throat> you know, he can say to her like, you know, I won't be able to appear to you for much longer, and, you know, this is. This is not, you know, you could even incorporate that into a sense in which Ray is lonely, right? She is one of her, she is the only one of her kind and there's a loneliness to her uh, when we pick up with her in, um, in what would be, I guess would be episode 10 <laughs> or whatever, whatever you're going to call it. You probably don't even call it an episode anything. It's just a whole different story, <clears throat> but you know, and she had just met Ben Solo when he came back to being Ben Solo, right? When he renounced his Kylo Reniness and uh, you know came back to being Ben. Um, and so it would be interesting to get the idea that they have been communing, but he's sort of telling her like, like you, you need to move on. You know, I'm not going to be able to appear to you for much longer anyway. That's that's the nature of this, and you know. Um, and uh, so her loneliness is further exacerbated by the fact that this man she kind of strangely, very strangely fell in love with, <clears throat> who's now also dead, uh, is now permanently gone. Um, but there's a lot. But the point is, you could, there's a lot you could do with Ray. I want to depress our audience as much as possible. <laughs> right, okay, we got it. We got it. We got to bring this to an end. Um, <laughs> Well, the thing is about Star Wars is it's some some final thoughts here. Um, there's a million different places you could take it, and there's not saying that we have the answer or that like Disney has the answer. I'm I'm sure that like there's some guy out there who's like I definitely have a st-. like someone out there is sitting on a story that events after nine dealing with Ray that is probably pretty well written out. I'm sure there's at least one or two out there. Point is, you, I, I, I don't know if I like the fact that I mean there, there are four seasons of Star Wars stuff in 2024 on Disney Plus. Four seasons. How far do you go before people are just like, you know what, I'm done with Star Wars. I'm just done. Well, so here's my personal twist on this entire podcast, this entire episode, is there's what would I do, and then what do I think should be done, and this will never be done. They just need to be done. Like Star Wars needs to be done. Well, Star Wars needs to be they, done for like for like 30 years. Yeah. Like they, they need to set it down, move on. Some other creative people out there need to create 
new stories and dare I use the word franchises, but we, you know, and, and I say this as a fan, the star Wars universe only has so many stories in it, right? It is, uh, you know, even the red letter media guys have kind of said this at one point, like it, it is a very specific universe crafted for a very, a very specific story. And that very specific story was the original trilogy. Um, and to some extent the prequel trilogy only because it was all, it was also George Lucas and he knew where he wanted to connect those pieces, you know? Um, but it's not, it's not a, a, you know, an eternal <laughs> story universe. It's, it's not, a a realm in which you can do anything and just keep doing it. Uh, it does have its limits. And I think those limits really have been reached. Um, and again, I say that as a fan, I don't, I'm not, that's not, I don't think that's a criticism of the star Wars universe. I think that's an acknowledgement of like, uh, you know, it is a very rich universe, but just like any rich food that you consume, it, you, you, you can only consume so much of it before you're like, all right, I think that's enough. It's, it's a lot. <laughs> it's well, a lot of now, sugar. <laughs> like, let's say your, your friend, like, Hey, you know, I never really got into star Wars, but I, you know, I watched, I watched a movie. I kind of dig it. I want to, where do I start? You're like, Oh my God. Well, you got to watch the original. You got to watch four, five and six, then one, two, three, then seven, eight, nine. And then there's 15 different shows. You got to watch multiple seasons of because like, it's all, <clears> it's, <throat> if, yeah. if it's all part of the same story, which ultimately it has to be, then that's a lot. I mean, that's like saying <laughs> I remember listening to a friend of mine who really likes one piece, the, the anime and, and then Netflix just did a live adaption. And mm-hmm. I, I remember him saying to me that, <coughs> that there are well over a thousand episodes. Like, you know how long that would take you to get caught up on one piece? Yeah. A thousand, crazy. A thousand 20 minute episodes. That might as well be a million years. You know what I mean? Like it just, it, it, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's just like this insurmountable, kind of that would take you four years to digest with, you know, with like a full work schedule yeah. and like, you know, you hang out with your friends and family, you know, maybe you have a family. You really like you have multiple kids. That would, that would take you five years of dedicated watching to really catch up on. And then you're like, okay, yeah. now I'm ready for more. I'm like, well, there's 400 more episodes since you, since you started. <laughs> so let's do this. Yeah. You know, it's like, where do you, where, what's too much and where does too the- much is too much. But like you've already killed the coolness of Boba Fett. You've killed the coolness of Yoda. You're murdering every single character. What what little cool <laughs> you what what little cool may have been left in the universe? You're 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 killing it by looking at all these pieces in Star Wars timeline that probably never should have been examined because now they're now they're far less interesting that you know about them. You know what I mean? Like the Mandalorian mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the Mandalorian has like <clears throat> undone, I think, the entire Boba Fett character. Well, you, you've also said to some degree the, the sort of mystique of Yoda. Yeah, it's like it's no longer important anymore because like now there's a baby Yoda. Now we know there's more than one. Like where does he come from? Who cares? There's more than one. If there's if, But like, Grayson, he's so cute. Like <laughs> Yoda by himself was a cool thing, but now that I've seen Grogu, there may as well be a million of them out there. Because if there's more than one, then there's a million. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Like yeah. it doesn't make any mm-hmm, sense. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't it just doesn't when you minds are better spent coming up with more original content to tell other in, in other universes 
that aren't Star Wars. That's what I'm saying. But Star Wars yeah. is such a name that you just you can't get away from it anymore. It's like they're going to keep making these movies. And it's one I want to go one step further with, you know, one of my things I've been thinking about lately is I think a lot with a lot of these franchises that, you know, there are so many franchises that just are gone on way too long. But I think these directors now are putting personal gain and of ahead of these stories, which is something that never should have happened ever, 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 ever in a serious world of filmmaking. You know, the story has to come before your own personal glory, before your own paycheck, before your own, like, if you don't have a story to tell in that universe, then just don't, then just don't make the movie. Like James Cameron, Terminator three. He's like, I'm not ready. I don't, I kind mm-hmm. of know where I want the story to go. And the studio's like, well, we want, we want to make a third Terminator film. He's like, well, then do it without me. And that's, and yeah. And, and what happened? You ended up with two different Terminator threes, right? You ended up with actual Terminator three. And then the one that happened like later on more recently with Schwarzenegger and Linda Hamilton. I don't want to talk it about was... it because that broke my heart. Like, <laughs> I get, so, I get so mad at like these people who like just lesser filmmakers that just think they can do it. And like, I remember, yeah. I remember, um, you know, if you listen to the other show, the audience members will remember that I remember I was so mad, like I was seething when Mick G before the release of Terminator Salvation said, this is my mm. aliens. Are you kidding me? You're going to compare you. You're going to compare your movie to one of the best sequels and action films ever produced, ever made by a director who knows how to make a damn movie. Mick G, you're mm. making Netflix films right now. You're making Netflix family rom-com films right now. You're in movie jail, man. Like, I understand, like, well, he's still making millions. Yep, he still is, but he's not making anything he wants to make. So that's my point with all these people in Star Wars. Like, I would I would want to know why does Taika Waititi want to make a Star Wars movie? Why do, the, the only guy that I even, like, makes sense for him to make more Star Wars movies is Ryan Johnson because he had a whole trilogy planned, and he didn't get to do it. But for some odd reason, they're giving him more trilogy to do. Like, I just don't understand it. You know, if you don't have one, if you're going to hop around with directors, we've seen what that does after the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. We've seen with the sequels what it does to have movies that don't talk to each other. Well, yeah, there's a complete disunity of narrative <clears throat> voice, right? Exactly. I mean, they the films look different. They sound different. They've been written differently, you know. So maybe what you do isn't more trilogies, but... If you have these people that want to tell a story in the Star Wars universe, you just you just have it be a one-off with characters that may or may not intersect with other characters, and you know. Well, yeah, or whoever does the next trilogy, it's it's a three film commitment, right? Like, like there's no doing one and running. It's like if you're gonna do a trilogy, it needs to be one person doing all three films with the same writer. Like, let's get some consistency going here. I mean, yeah. that's one of the reasons that that's one of the things that really worked about uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. That was Peter Jackson for all three films and him and his writers for all three films. And all three of those films <clears throat> feel like the same story, right? They feel like they were they were directed and written and shot and everything by the same people because they were. No, it's, funny, it, it's funny you bring that up. <laughs> yeah, it's funny you bring that up because like. Star Wars was that like that was that era defining trilogy for that time. But so was I think Lord of the Rings is that like that's the generation defining trilogy for that generation is like 
Lord oh, of the yeah. Rings. Like massive, big scale, done right. Everything about that is just amazing. And I've just I've just seen those again on the big screen like in the past six, seven weeks. They are excuse me, I've had a hiccup. They are real they, they they age really well, I, th- I think too. I mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like it's like <clears throat> and then then you have this thing Harry Potter came along, and that's that's the fantasy epic of my generation. Because Lord of the Rings, it wasn't original, but Harry Potter was still somewhat original for the time. So it's just, I agree. You got to have the same person do it. Even if it's like, that's what, like, even though it was George Lucas for the true, like the, the prequels, at least they all felt like the same story. Mm-hmm, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they all felt like they were like the second one, Attack of the Clones, awful name, by the way, Attack of the Clones felt like a continuation from Phantom Menace, another awful, awful, mm-hmm. awful name. And then Revenge of the Sith felt like a continuation of both of those. It felt like a natural, linear continuation, all three films. And 7, 8, 9 just didn't. I don't, I, I, you, you, you can argue that they did, but I'm telling you that they didn't. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't, I don't know how much more to say that, but I, I, I'm really, I get really upset when I think about the Star Wars universe, how it's been allowed to just atrophy into this it's a joke the same with everything that once was not a joke is a joke star wars is a joke now am am, am i wrong is star wars not a joke yeah i mean it's become kind of a byword i think for for what you do when you let something really magnificent uh age out in, in a bad way you know when you let it really tarnish and you let it, I mean, it's going back to the first episode that we did of this, like <clears throat> what we were talking about there, you know, Star Wars is something that is, it's part of the, the canon of Western literature. I mean, it's one of those stories that is so, uh, you know, it, it, it trends, like I'm talking about the original trilogy, it, it transcends just film and it's, it's one of those major contributions to just modern storytelling, you know, in the same way that people talk about, uh, Apocalypse Now or Godfather or, you know, um, any, you know, Schindler's List, any number of other very different uh, but iconic films um, that and and yet, you know, Spielberg didn't hire he didn't hire Michael Bay to make Schindler's List two, Schindler's Revenge. <laughs> and like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like he didn't <clears throat> he, he didn't. uh he didn't let the preciousness of that story uh, be uh, be muddled with, you know, and, and Star Wars, you know, George Lucas ran the risk of doing that to his own story with the prequels. And some might say that he succeeded in, you know, messing up stars, star, star Wars with those. Uh, but at the very least uh, Star Wars was his. And so he was allowed to do that, but, it has now been sold off to the highest bidder and it's, it has now, it's now become something that's uh, that has ultra saturated the culture in, uh, in not a good way. Right. We know it's, too it's, much. It's funny and, because I remember, I remember talking to someone about when star Wars episode seven was announced when it was announced that JJ Abrams was going to direct it. I was like, well, that's a shame because he's not going to make the follow-ups. He never does. He always starts them. He always starts these franchises and then steps away. Yeah, that's what he yeah, does. Yeah, he did the first that's two the, Star Treks and then he left. 
Yeah, I mean, he, he did uh, one of the Mission Impossibles and then stepped away. It's like, he, yep. this guy never finishes anything. Like, he wants to have his hand in so many things, but he doesn't want to actually finish anything. Nah, he's so, an ADHD filmmaker. I don't understand why he does that. But I agree with you that, I mean, the, the all, all of those movies needed to have Abrams name all over it. They needed to be an Abrams. That was an Abrams trilogy. It needed to be an Abrams trilogy, and it wasn't. And it's a shame, but... But he he made episode seven with fully knowing he was not going to make episode eight. Mm-hmm. And so he wasn't going to answer. Like, it's one thing for Ryan Johnson to come in and be like, OK, well, tell me where you were going with those things. And he and JJ's like, you know what? Just do your own thing. I, I don't know how that conversation went. I'm just saying, like, it couldn't have gone any other than what I just said, because Ryan Johnson didn't do anything that the first that seven did. You know what I mean? It's 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 one of those things that. So he obviously didn't want to continue what JJ had set up as far as a lot of those mysteries and, and intricacies. He did his own thing. <sighs> yeah. And then I would argue in that case, he should not have been the filmmaker to make that second movie. I don't agree <clears throat> with you, but because you, you don't have to agree on how you're going to pay off those things that were set up, but you have to acknowledge that they were set up. You can't just, completely flip them i mean look like kylo's helmet is like the funniest thing in those movies right he wears a helmet in the first one in the second one he smashes it to pieces all pissed off which was kind of interesting because now we can see uh adam driver's face right and and he's so he's such a good actor like you really get a performance out of him for most of that second movie because he's unfettered right he's He's doffed the the helmet. And then in the third one, <laughs> he picks up the shattered pieces, welds it back together for some reason, and then puts it on. And also, by the way, the red, like, hot metal cracks in the helmet are there the entire movie. For some reason, you can see all the cracks in the helmet. They're all red. As, as though they're still glowing from the heat of being welded back together. <laughs> and, uh, and he, and he's wearing the helmet again. And, and it's like two filmmakers just going, well, I want a helmet. Ah, well, I don't want a helmet. Well, I do want a helmet. <laughs> you know, and it's like, and there's a ton of stuff in those movies that are like that, where they just flip, flop, flip, you know, <clears throat> um, what a disaster. I don't know. I agree, but we're a little long-winded now. What we would do, but yeah. I, I guess what I would do is refocus. What's what is Star Wars? It's a Star Wars is a struggle between good and evil, um, the Empire, the Rebellion. Let's let, let's get back to basics here. I mean, you cannot do that a third time, so you'd have to do something different. Maybe I mean you'd have to really kind of get away from the whole Empire and away from the Rebellion, and then just. Just keep it pure Sith and Jedi, good and evil. There's no rebellion. There's no empire. It's just people acting to try to prevent a war, which is unpreventable and then happens anyway. So I just, yeah, you have to get away from the whole empire and uh, rebellion thing. You just, you got to get away from that. No. Yes. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, that's not, it shouldn't be rehashed. The insurrection that I was talking about, yeah, it wouldn't be, uh, it would be more akin to, and this is a little bit deep cut, but it would be more akin to like what Darth Revan was trying to do in Knights of the Old Republic. Like he wasn't really trying to establish uh, 
a political entity. Um, he was trying to establish almost like a dark theocracy, you know, like a dictator, uh, a dictator's theocracy, meaning almost like a, a religious, a religiously driven um, system of rule. Well, that's kind of cool. So, if you, you you can mess with that of a, someone just trying to, someone trying to not only because in the I, did they ever, <laughs> the third one touches on episode three touches on that you can become so powerful that you can cheat death. And I don't think mm-hmm. I don't think you ever. I mean, he Palpatine does do that. I mean, because he does come back in the ninth episode. But maybe it's just someone just looking for this ultimate power to just kind of do his own thing in the universe. But of course, Ray being the last Jedi has to stop him or her. Don't want to put labels <clears> on it, but yeah, they have to stay if she has to stop them. And hence we have a new trilogy born that, you know, evolves into some, something else. But yeah, I guess final thoughts are star Wars is, in a, is not in a great place <laughs> and it needs to be some tender love and care needs to be given to this with people need to sit down and really consider they need to get back, how to get back on track and what it means to get back on track. And I, I'll tell you what it doesn't mean more of these Disney plus shows. Let me just be, let me just tell you right now. Let me just cut all the ambiguity out. These Disney plus shows yeah. do, do, do nothing for the actual brand of star Wars. They do nothing. Yeah. I, 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 I get more frustrated as I'm talking about this because it's I, something that was once awesome and handled with incredible care has just been given off to a new generation of people who just don't seem to have that level of uh, reverence for the material. I think they or can, skill. Yeah, I'll, I'll even say that. I think they're I think they're more worried about their own paycheck. And the thing is, like directors make so much damn money that you almost just want to take one of these movies just for the pay cut I and mean, just for the paycheck. Mm-hmm. And it's a shame because like you're you're just destroying further a franchise that people really love. And it was at one point was the talk of the town. So there's also that. Yeah. Any, any final thoughts there, Jeremy? <clears throat> uh, no, other than I think it just needs to be, uh, this won't happen, but <laughs> the, the suits at these places like Lucasfilm and, um, Disney, uh, they need to stop pretending that they, they know what they're doing at all. And this, it needs to, re- Star Wars needs to return to being a storytellers driven story. Um, not a property, not a franchise to be marketed and strategically evolved uh, in the public eye. It just, they need to be simple. They need to be stories, well-made, well-told stories. It's that simple. Without politics playing a role. Yep. I think that's the. Best Those are my final it. thoughts. <laughs> well, thank you, Jerry. I know tell a story. A, I know it's been a long. What a novel concept! Time. Just tell a story. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it seems simple, but it just it isn't done much anymore. So, yeah. When you watch Rebel Moon, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I can't even begin to tell you how disappointed I am in Rebel Moon, but I can see what you're saying now. Is that definitely started as a Star Wars movie, and then he just kind of changed it a little bit. Yeah. Because I can definitely see where that is, but. Well, thank you, Jeremy, for joining me for this very long-winded episode. I really appreciate that. 
You bet. This has been episode 362B of For Love of Cinema, a movie podcast. Each new episode posts every Tuesday and Friday morning at 5 a.m. on the podcast service of your choice of the following five. Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Please leave a comment or two, rate, subscribe, every little bit helps. More importantly, thank you very much for listening. Check out the show on Twitter, at Love Cinema Pod. I'm at Grayson Maxwell One. Do you have a Twitter you want to plug? I am at Jeremy David Lee. Mm. Jeremy David Lee. Roger's at Rog Tillian. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook. Always posting new stories on social media. Send us an email to for the love of cinema podcast at gmail.com. And next week, we're taking a look at Aquaman, the Lost Kingdom, and <laughs> Rebel Moon Part 1, A Child of Fire. <laughs>